You are Locked On Packers, your daily Green Bay Packers podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. We said four quarters, all gas, no break. You guys did that today. Hell of a job. R-E-L-A-S. Relax. We're going to be okay. It is time. It is time. You are Locked On Packers, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. I am Peter Bukowski, and I cover the Packers for SB Nation and Packer Report. I cover the NFL around the internet, and you can follow me on Twitter at Peter underscore Bukowski. You can follow the podcast on Twitter at Locked On Packers. Like us on Facebook. You can subscribe to the podcast on iTunes, on Spotify, on Google Podcasts, wherever you find podcasts. You will find Locked on Packers, the number one Packers podcast on the internet and the show for fans who know what happened. They want to know why and how. Today on the show, the somewhat stunning reports that the Big Ten was planning to cancel football and the fallout from that. Uh, There is a lot of speculation now that college football as a whole could end up just not happening. What does that mean for the NFL? What does that mean for the NFL draft? What does that mean for the college players? We're going to dig into all of that. We're also going to talk about Devontae Adams today because there was an awesome piece on 538 by Josh Hermsmeyer about how good Devontae Adams is at creating separation. And so... I want to talk a little bit about this idea that the Packers give him the ball or focus too much on getting him the ball. First, let's start with the news of the day, the news of the week, potentially the news of the year. Reports on Monday suggest that the Big Ten is leaning toward canceling the upcoming college football season. The Mountain West also reportedly leaning toward canceling the season, and we're waiting on places like the Pac-12, the SEC, the ACC, around college football. We're hearing from Trevor Lawrence and Justin Fields, prominent names to say, we want to play, but we want to play in a way that makes sense, in a way that keeps us safe. Of course, that is what they want. Um, and, And especially for Trevor Lawrence and Justin Fields, those guys want one last audition for NFL scouts. There are hundreds of players around college football who want the same. They want the opportunity to show, hey, look, we are NFL players. It's not really going to affect Justin Fields. It's not really going to affect Trevor Lawrence. It's going to affect that guy who was just okay last year and now wants to audition for NFL scouts and say, look, this is this is me. I'm an NFL player. Think of the number one pick. Two years ago, Joe Burrow was an okay college quarterback at LSU. He was an Ohio State transfer who got beat out by Dwayne Haskins in a spirited competition at Ohio State. He transfers, goes to LSU in his first year, puts up okay numbers. The team is good, but he's a late day three undrafted type player at that point. Then he goes out and has one of the greatest college football seasons in history becomes the no-brainer number one pick, and now looks like he could be a really good NFL quarterback. These stories are not that unique. Baker Mayfield is that kind of guy to come out of anonymity and and become the number one overall pick. You know, Russell Wilson fell in the draft, 
but his season at Wisconsin propelled him to the third round. He could have been even later in the draft had he just been a North Carolina State quarterback. His efficiency as a senior at Wisconsin was huge in setting him up to be an NFL player. Brian Gutekinds, in his availability with the media yesterday, hinted that there could be a combine in December as well as you know potentially in 2021 just so the, the league gets multiple looks at these guys. If you're someone like Jim Nagy who sets up the Senior Bowl, you're probably trying to figure out a way to extend that. Hey, make it a month. If you're an enterprising agent, you're thinking of ways to set up seven-on-seven in shells. You have to find ways to get these guys opportunities to play because they are not going to get that opportunity to audition for NFL teams if the season is canceled. And the point that Trevor Lawrence made was, look, if this is done in a healthy way and a a safe way and there are protocols in place and testing, most of the players in college football are in a better situation at school than they would be at home because they have all of their meals that could be provided for them in a closed environment. They have access to healthcare in a way that a lot of them would not at home and they'd be around you know, a hundred of their teammates who are also involved in these protocols. So there is that that peer accountability as well as you have a, an entire support system of the university. They make money for the schools. And so the, for the school to say, we can't do this is kind of ridiculous. And the school should want to say, We want to make sure college football can happen because it creates so much money for these universities. They pay for non-revenue sports, the the Olympic sports, baseball, most schools, softball. I mean, Title IX could be obliterated if we don't have college football because these these schools are not going to be able to pay for, for all these other sports. So there is a financial incentive too For these colleges to play, you hope it doesn't come to these colleges making that decision and say, well, we need this money, so we have to play, and we have to play in a way that is not safe for these students. And there are schools, Notre Dame, students on campus right now. So they could have football if the students are there. But a lot of these universities are saying, look, it's too much of a risk. We can't do it. The question becomes, is the NFL facing the similar fate. And I think the NFL is different for so many reasons. The most important being they have an infrastructure that is already in place for daily testing, the contact tracing, and their professionals. So you expect professionals to handle their business in a way that you can't trust college kids to do it. The the biggest growing number of, of coronavirus cases right now is among young people, specifically because they have not been taking these precautions that are necessary. So in a perfect world, all of these schools would say, look, we want you to be safe. Uh, We want to protect you. And we want you to be on campus so that we can have you in a closed environment. It's basically a bubble college. I mean, think about your, your college experience. You didn't leave campus, especially not freshman, sophomore. You didn't leave campus. If you lived on campus, if you were, went to the kind of school that, You know, everything was sort of self-contained. Most schools are like that, and they're even more like that for college athletes. Everything is right there for these student athletes. They live on campus. 
They have all of their meals provided on campus. They train on campus. They hang out on campus. So if you can make that safe, then there's no reason why they couldn't play football. There's there's no reason. It is the same premise as what the NFL is doing. These schools have just not done the work. And that's the unfortunate part. Now, for the NFL draft, what's really interesting, especially as it relates to Green Bay, a lot of the concern about the Jordan Love pick, for example, was, oh, well, they could have waited a year or two because Aaron Rodgers is still going to be the quarterback in 2021, 2022. Well, what if there's no college football this year and you're going into a season where now your your quarterback is one year older, he's one year closer to the end of his contract, and you feel like, okay, now is the appropriate time. I mean, this is the case I had made, that, that this offseason was actually the first time that you can start talking seriously about a quarterback. That had been my take starting two years ago. And so, okay, well, if there's no college football, that becomes a lot harder. And there's now much more uncertainty and more variance. And it's going to be a lot more difficult for any team needing any kind of player to get a good evaluation on these guys. And that makes it even more difficult. That adds orders of magnitude of difficulty when it comes to a quarterback. Because think of the Joe Burrow example. How are you going? I mean, we know Trevor Lawrence is great. We know Justin Fields is great. And then there's there's Lance, but that is uh, you know another thing that you have to figure out because we're talking about uh, an FCS school. We're talking about North Dakota State. And so what, what does that look like? There's all of this uncertainty that you're adding on here. Now Green Bay doesn't have to face it. I'll just add one little addendum to that, and that is if Jordan Love had gone out at Utah State this year, had stayed, because remember, he could. And as a senior, put up the same kind of numbers he put up as a sophomore, Green Bay would not be in a position to draft him. Just not. And he would be in the conversation, not with Lawrence and Fields, but they would, we'd be talking about him as a no-doubter top 15 type pick. That's, that's what would have happened. And so Green Bay was ahead on this. And I, I've had some fans say, look... If Green Bay viewed the draft as there's not going to be a season this year in college football, then it makes more sense. Maybe that's true. I don't I don't really have a strong take on whether or not that's true. We don't have any evidence to suggest that that's actually how they approached it. So I don't know that it's workable for us to even have a discussion about it. But at least in the case of Jordan Love, I do think it's true that they're now in a better position than they would have been had they waited a year with the quarterback. And if we just take for granted that it's better to have a quarterback before you need one, because that's just true, whether or not it needed to be that last year or this year or the year after. But it's better to have a quarterback before you need one. It doesn't say anything about whether or not it was smart to take love where they took him whether or whether it was smart to trade up or whether it was smart to take love over a receiver but strictly from a are they in a better position now at the quarterback position for the future than they would be if they had waited a year the answer is undoubtedly yes all right i want to talk about this piece that that josh hermsmeyer wrote about Devontae Adams because, he didn't write it about Devontae Adams, but in the piece, 
he explored what he called separation over expected. And without getting into the nitty gritty of, you know, how we calculated it and all that stuff, it's what you would, would expect it to be, no pun intended. It is how much better than average or, you know, what you would expect in, a, in, a, in an average situation. How much more separation does Devontae, does anyone get? So what he found was interesting. Separation tends to be highest on short passes, but the value of those passes tend to be low. Okay. And that, and that a lot of that is tight ends. They're getting open right away. There's no one near them. Evan Ingram, Zach Ertz, those guys are great. Cole Beasley. These are short passes underneath. Cool, but there's not a lot of value in throwing the ball short. There's much more value in intermediate and deep throws. And what Josh found was that on separation above expectation, Devontae Adams' 2018 season was easily the best of the last three years. His 2019 season was the third best of the last three years. So two of the top three seasons in in, in the intermediate part of the field on separation over expected belong to Devontae Adams. In short, he is the best receiver in football at getting open in the middle of the field and in, in the intermediate part of the field. Pro Football Focus had a stat that said, that just 12% of his catches were contested. So that means he's open. He's open. He's always open. And so then you have this idea here that, oh, the the Packers actually give him the ball too much. Well, uh, he's always open. So if he's always open, why wouldn't he get the ball? Why wouldn't you get the ball to your best player? Now, I understand the counter argument that, you know, Arif Hassan, who covers the the Vikings for the Athletic, I tweeted out the PFF stat and he said, well, doesn't that also potentially point to the fact that Rodgers, if he's not giving Devontae Adams more contested catch situations, mean that he doesn't trust even his best receiver in contested situations? And I, I think there's there's potentially some truth there. And we, we can't rule that out. But I think what Josh's research shows is that it's more likely that Adams is just consistently open. And when Rodgers throws it to him, it's because he's open. And guess what? He's open a lot. And so I do think there are times, there are times in the offense when Devontae plays where Rodgers is not as willing to play in rhythm because he has Devontae. And there is that safety blanket of, well, if the original play, if the first play, the you know whatever the first read or even the second read is not there, if I don't like it, if I don't feel comfortable with it, I can always wait and extend because Devontae will work to get open. And he just has that kind of trust in Adams. And in some ways, that's great. But when you look at what the offense was that month when Adams was out, Rodgers was just playing. He wasn't thinking. He wasn't trying to extend every play. It was back foot, ball out. And he just doesn't play as consistently like that when he has Devontae Adams. So that is something that you'd like to get better at. It's something that we saw in the Seahawks game. They had better rhythm and they got better rhythm toward the end of the season. They started to go to some more play action to get him open, slants, digs. And there was just, there was no way that defenses were going to cover him because he's so hard to cover just regular one-on-one 
and then you create that that sort of big play. And this fits with you know something Matt Lafleur said the other day. He was asked, you know, how do you attack the middle of the field better? Because when you look at the numbers, we've talked about this on this show ad nauseum that the middle of the field is a huge problem for the Packers. Aaron Rodgers doesn't want to throw it there. They have not been productive there. And Lafleur right away had a, had a play in mind. A big play against the Bears, off play action, and it's true. It was, a, it was a great play. It was a little play action out of eleven personnel, slant to Devontae Adams, and it turned into a big play. Those are the plays that they went to more often in the second half of the season. They're in rhythm, even if it's play action. It's in rhythm because Devontae Adams is going to get separation. He's going to create big plays. This is how you attack the middle of the field. You use Devontae Adams, who is one of the best route runners in the league, if not the best. I said on Twitter the other day, the best. And you can use him to attack the middle of the field. You can play in rhythm a little bit better. Get Rodgers opportunities to attack with Adams that are in rhythm so that he doesn't have to sit, pat, and hold. When he doesn't have Adams out there, I mean, think of, he made a ridiculous throw to Jay Kumro in that Chiefs game. He hit his back foot, pressure came, and he just took a little sidestep and slung the ball. Kumro, it was an unbelievable throw. It's just the kind of play that he he wasn't as consistently making in the second half of the season. He wasn't as willing to hit his back foot and throw. Wasn't as willing to stand in amid pressure and make a throw. So the, I don't think the problem is force-feeding Devontae. It's actually that Rodgers is a little too comfortable at times allowing the plays to break down when Devontae's on the field because he trusts Devontae so much. So there is this balance you have to walk with Rodgers. It's hard to get his trust, but if he does trust you, then there can be things that that stem from that trust that can be a negative for this offense. Now, if everyone can play off script, and it's Jordy Nelson, it's Randall Cobb, and Devontae Adams, and everyone's working together, it's 2016, it's early 2017, then that all works, and it's gravy. When you don't have that, the offense can break down. But when you have a bunch of guys that Rodgers is just sort of like, I guess we just got to do it, then he's willing to, it's sort of, it's a very counterintuitive thing. He's willing to just say, let's just go play. And he'll actually play more in rhythm. You know, one of the things that I noticed last year is on the plays where Rodgers did stand in amid pressure and fire in a slant or something in the middle of the field, you know, whatever it is, didn't even have to be in the middle of the field, but stood in against pressure and made a throw. It was always to Devontae Adams or early in the season, and I would say even into the later parts of the season, Geronimo Allison or Alan Lazard. Always one of those three guys because he trusts them. And so obviously the more guys he trusts, the more options he has in those situations. When you go back to 2018, you know, it was a little bit more Jimmy Graham, 2019. You know, I I do think rightly so Aaron saw, look, Jimmy Graham is just sort of not that good anymore. And it seems like Alan Lazard has earned that trust. You have Devontae Adams. Is he going to be willing to stand in there and make throws? Well, if you have guys who are getting separation like Devontae Adams, you're going to throw to him. And if you're becoming a more risk-averse quarterback, and it does seem like that is the case with Rodgers, you go back and look at some of his you know, 2011, 2012, 
some of the throws he would make into coverage and just saying, okay, James Jones, go do the thing. Jermichael Finley, Jordy Nelson, Greg Jennings, I trust you in coverage to make throws because he could do it. And, and he was so magical in those moments. He's not doing that as consistently anymore. And I don't, I don't know the reason. But if you have a couple guys that he trusts, maybe he can get back to doing that. To this Devontae Adams point, though, one of the reasons why it's easy for Devontae Adams to get the ball is he's getting open. He's getting open consistently. And because it does seem like that's becoming more and more important to Rodgers that guys are clearly open, I think that's one of the reasons why Devontae is getting the ball. Now, this creates a twofold issue. Number one, you're not trusting in your guys. And number two, if you have a new receiver, you draft someone, is Rodgers going to trust them? Certainly not right away in, in all likelihood. That's going to take some time. But you also want the talent. You want someone who can eventually do it. They had to draft Devontae Adams at some point. He had to play as a rookie. He had to play through his struggles in his first and second seasons. And that's what you're hoping from someone like MVS or EQ, that, that they can get this figured out and, and regain the trust of Aaron Rodgers. It seems like EQ has it. He's been one of those guys who's come up over and over. Brian Gutekind said yesterday they're bullish on him. That was the word he used. They think he's going to make an impact this year. Well, he has to be able to get open. And you'd like it to be twofold. You'd like Rodgers to make some throws to guys when they're a little bit more covered, give them a chance to prove it. But you'd also like to have guys who get open. So that's the missed opportunity. Someone like Justin Jefferson, you know, that guy just got, just got open. And now you, you have to rely on the, the players that you have making strides in the offense, being smarter. You know, in the case of Alan Lazard, the guy, he's 6'5 and 230. EQ, 6'4, 6'5, 225. Is he just open walking on the field? Maybe. And that's what, you know, the thought was with Jimmy Graham, Jay Sternberger, same thing, 6'4, 250. Is he just open because he's out there? Maybe. And he is a guy who can make contested catches. So the fact that that Adams consistently gets open makes it easy for Rodgers to target him. What you you need for the, from the Packers is for these other receivers to be getting open a little bit more consistently. I think the, the, the question about whether or not they get open is a little overblown. They do get open, and they get open more than they get credit for. But you need Rodgers to fire in there. And, and so, you know, if you're not going to get new receivers, if you're not going to get guys who are going to get open more consistently— then you know you have to you have to get the guys who are already on the team to do it and you have to get your quarterback to trust those guys to do it all right we're going to talk cornerbacks tomorrow and safeties later in the week and and we'll of course keep you up to date as we go through the process here uh with you know what's happening with college football brian gudikins talked about you know the, the need for changing the schedule for them going through their process, you know, leaning more heavily on the 2019 tape whenever possible. And so there's there's going to have to be a, a pretty significant paradigm shift in how this is all done. Maybe players can put together their own league. Who knows? You know, there is a, a player empowerment era hitting sports, and it's hit, it's hit most sports. It is just starting in college football. And I do wonder if, if this is a, a, a sea change, if this is a moment that we're going to remember because of what it did to fundamentally alter the landscape of college football. It's going to it's going to be crazy, and, and you hate that it's because of this, but 
I think it's for the better because this is a system that does not work work right now for the players the same way it works for the schools, the coaches, the universities, etc. So hopefully it is something that can be changed. Follow me on Twitter, Peter underscore Bukowski. Follow the podcast on Twitter, Locked on Packers. Like us on Facebook. You can subscribe to the podcast, iTunes, Spotify, Google Podcasts, wherever you find podcasts, you will find Locked on Packers. Follow me on Twitter, Peter underscore Bukowski. Follow the podcast on Twitter at Locked on Packers. I already said that. And anytime you want to hit us up on the Locked on Packers fan hotline, you can do that 920-341-3775 to stay Locked on Packers. Locked on Packers.